So after World War II, as the Nuremberg trials were taking place, trying to bring a measure of justice for those that had endured the Holocaust, a witness at the Nuremberg trials testified that he had survived the death camps by hiding in a grave in Vilna, Poland. At the trials, he shared a story about a young woman who gave birth to a baby in an open grave, delivered by the 80-year-old grave digger. When the first cries of the newborn were heard, the old man prayed, Great God, hast thou finally sent the Messiah to us? For who else than the Messiah himself can be born in a grave? Here, even amongst the dead, life springs forth. In the telling of this story in his work, The Shaking of the Foundations, theologian Paul Tillich concludes that this true story surpasses anything the human imagination could have invented. And it does give us a remarkable comparison with our gospel text for today. Sisters and brothers in Christ, grace and peace to you this day from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ. Amen. The Gospel of Luke is giving us a story in Jesus' ministry today that still pushes towards this ultimate question, who do you say that I am? A question that he asks of his disciples. Now, since Easter, we have jumped around a little bit in the Gospels. We've been in John, we've been in Matthew, and now we're in Luke. But if we back up a little bit in this chapter, especially in this chapter, Jesus has been making God's kingdom known in some pretty peculiar ways. In the story just before our gospel text for today, Jesus and his disciples jumped into a boat and were starting across the Sea of Galilee to get away from the crowds that continually pursued them. And on this crossing, a windstorm threatens to swamp the boat. The disciples are scared for their lives, and Jesus sleeps in the boat. And as they fear their demise, they awaken Jesus, and he rebukes the storm, and the sea calms. And he also rebukes the disciples for their lack of faith. Now, especially in that time, that windstorm would have been considered originating from a demonic power. But really, this was just a pattern of the sea. It happens very, very regularly on the Sea of Galilee. But yet, above all, it is Jesus' words that calm the storm that Jesus has the power to command nature and creation, a power which is only ascribed to God. And again, the disciples are perplexed. Who is this man? And so our text tells us that after the boat reaches the shore on the land of the Gerasenes, which is a Gentile land, Jesus is met at the shore by a naked man that is possessed by many demons, the demoniac. The man is dehumanized in a number of ways. He is naked as a beast would be. He has no home. He has no identity outside of this effect that names him. He keeps company with the dead. He does not fit in in normal society. This man is so out of control by his demonic possession that the local people have actually exiled him to the tombs of a graveyard. And they have not only exiled him, but they have even attempted to bind him there, to chain him up and shackle him there. It seems to be deemed beyond human decency. 
And yet, here he is at the feet of Christ. But who is it that actually recognizes Jesus? Who is it that speaks? Well, it's the demons. The demons cry out, What have you to do with us, Jesus, the Son of the Most High God? Now, we that are the enlightened people of modern human history rarely give thought anymore to a demonic presence or possession. That is, unless you are a horror film buff. And in fact, this can be a fairly uncomfortable conversation. But we do have an understanding of what it means to be possessed. Not demonic possession, but certainly in a different way in our modern context. Possession is defined as being controlled by something or someone outside of oneself. And this story certainly reveals a stark truth for how we deal with people in situations that we don't understand, that we cannot control, that make us uncomfortable. Being possessed, that is controlled or defined by another thing, is a very real part of our culture. And it comes in a variety of ways. Some are fairly obvious. Addictions, drugs, alcohol. And what do we do? We send people to places that deal with this. We send them to counseling or treatment facilities. Other types of possession can be mental health related. Schizophrenia, depression, personality disorders, anorexia, bulimia, now, I'm not saying these are demonic possession. But what I am saying is that society still stigmatizes these things and generally pushes people to the fringes in these situations. They remove people from normal parts of life. Yet there are other types of possession that are maybe a little less obvious, but can certainly be far more harmful to ourselves and to those around us. Paranoia, destructive habits, excessive spending, selfishness, entitlement, being a workaholic, having an overzealous hobby attachment, seeking identity only in jobs or in prestigious degrees, financial status, social status. How many friends do I have on Facebook or followers on Instagram? All we have to do is read the news headlines to see that we are a culture possessed. How many people in our world are haunted by a traumatic past or by tortured memories? How many live unsheltered and inadequately clothed because of social or economic forces that they cannot overcome? How many are imprisoned, regarded as barely human, cast out, forgotten? How many are enslaved to addictions no longer knowing where the addiction ends and where their own life begins? Or where the governing authorities separate people by policy to be able to get ahead? We go through life being told that it is up to us to make the best of what this life is and when things happen we cannot understand or control, we hear placations like, God helps those who help themselves. 
or God never gives you more than you can handle. But what are these? They're placations. They're avoidance again. They're exiling. I don't have to deal with that. Several months ago, I had the honor of preaching with our brothers in Christ behind the walls of the South Dakota Penitentiary at St. Dismas. And I always enjoy when I get to do that. When I got done preaching this night, a middle-aged man met me in the aisle and he spoke softly. And he told me that when he was on the outside, he had lived a life that was completely out of control. Drugs, alcohol, which led to theft, robbery. And after he was arrested, he had an opportunity to talk with his mother and he asked her a really hard question. Why had she given up on him? And her response was this. I had to treat the thought of you as if you were dead. Otherwise, it would have killed me. And as he was telling me this, tears welled up in his eyes and he confessed that coming to prison, which had actually caused a death in the life that he had known, had given him new life. He had been out of control. Nobody knew what to do with him anymore. But now he was able to have a relationship with his mother, the best that he had had since he was a child. He spoke that he was dead in his life on the outside, but now he had new life. New life with his mother, with his family, and a new life with his God. The possessed Gerasene man comes to Jesus at the seashore and he's not seeking anything. He doesn't ask for anything. But what happens, Jesus does what Jesus does. Even in the midst where the man is living, bound and shackled amongst the dead, Jesus has come and found him exactly where he is. And he does not leave him there. But he speaks into his life. He speaks the demons out of the man, even in a place of death where there is no hope and there is no faith, Jesus raises the man to new life. He does this by speaking it. And he does this by speaking to us as well. From the moment the demoniac first confronts Jesus, the whole episode invites us to consider what Jesus has to do with the forces that possess us, that occupy us, that control us. And it challenges us to think more broadly about Jesus' own sovereignty in our lives. The powers that destroy life, that divide us from our friends, our family, even from ourselves. Hearers of God's word, Jesus speaks to each of us today in this text. He finds us where we are today. He finds us here in all of our fears, our concerns, our burdens, our joys, and our thanksgivings. Called by the Holy Spirit to be gathered in this place to hear his life-giving word again. A word that he has sent me here to speak to you today so that he finds you where you are and so that you may hear it specifically for you. He speaks his word into your life that the things that possess you, the things that want to pull you down, the things that diminish hope and peace in your life, 
the things that would try to separate you from God, he finds you where you are, bound, and he says, you're forgiven. You are forgiven. He puts sin to death. These things that do not define you any longer, sin can no longer claim you in your identity. Sin does not have the final word, only Jesus Christ does. However, if you do not see yourself or know yourself to be a sinner, Christ can do nothing with you. What are the things in your life that possess you? Things that seem to control you, to be beyond your control. Things that separate you from God. Well, this is where Jesus Christ can remove the shackles of these things. He can declare release from the tombs of your life, and he can deliver you to new life. And he does this today and each day that you hear his promise and you trust in it for you. To live this life free from those things or people that would bind you, he strips away the identities of your sin and restores you a child of God. This is what's important about every time we gather around the baptismal font. We do it in the name of the person being baptized, in the name of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And Christ calls you by name so that you would know that this promise is for you and that you would cling to that promise in times of life when life is out of control, when you don't know where to turn. This is exactly what St. Paul reminds us of in our Galatians text today, that when Christ comes, faith comes with him, and he restores us to new life when we but trust in him. This is the good news of Jesus Christ for us all today. And like the Gerasene man, he tells you too, go back to your homes, go back to your families, go back out into your lives and your work, and tell everyone what God has done. Jesus actually makes the Gerasene man the first preacher in the Gospels, and he does this for us too, because he calls us to tell this story, to tell what faith means in your life, and why you come and hear his word again and again, because it claims you and you become an heir to God's great promise. So go. Tell everyone what God has done. Peace be with you. Thanks be to God. Amen.